0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever had someone break a promise to you? Of course you have. Have you seen an agreement terminated because one party did not keep their half of the deal? Most likely, you've seen that too. In Genesis chapter 16, Abraham massively failed God. So as we move into chapter 17, we might expect God to say he's going to cancel his promises to Abraham, but he doesn't. Why? Quite simply, because that's not the way God is. God will gladly take us back when we fail, and he'll still move his promises ahead. Let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, The Greatest Promise Ever.
1: Well, if I went around the room and asked, has any one of you ever had a promise to you that was broken the obvious answer would be yes that's part of life now some of us admittedly are too gullible others are at the opposite end of the spectrum the other extreme you've lost faith in human nature and you don't trust anyone anymore in Genesis chapter 15, we're in 17 now, in Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abraham. He made an, uh, an agreement, a, a commitment, a promise with then his name was Abram. And then in the next chapter, chapter 16, Abraham failed. Remember, he they were supposed to have a child. Him and his wife didn't want to wait. So she said, you know, go have relations with my maidservant. Hagar, and then the child will be mine. That's an ancient world custom, but they didn't want to wait for the promise of God, and that turned out to be a disaster. Now, in such situations, when people break a promise and they do so egregiously, like Abraham did, I think it's common for people to say, you messed up. You messed up so bad, the deal is off. And maybe you feel that you've messed up, whether you're here with us or you're watching online, you feel like you have messed up so egregiously with God that, that he's saying to you that the deal is off. But here in Genesis chapter 17, one chapter after Abram's failure, God says to him, dude. Do you think God ever used the word Dude. Dude the deal's not off. Here in chapter 17, God actually takes the covenant further, committing himself to Abraham, further committing himself to the people of God, further committing himself to you and to me. Once again, we notice that God is the initiator. God is the initiator. Although he gives us commands to enjoy the full blessing of the covenant. Faith in God starts with trusting in God, then shows itself in dedication and commitment and devotion to God. Friends, it's so important we remember this, so important. God does not desire half-hearted devotion with anyone. He doesn't want a half-hearted relationship with any person. He wants a full-throttle, deep relationship. And that's why why people get married. Don't get married with the idea of like, well, we're sort of in love. People, People want to have a deep relationship. But there's legitimate questions that you could have when it comes to God and your relationship with him. Let's go through a couple. What if you mess up? What if you mess up with God? What if you, if it's even possible? What if you let God down? What if you let God down? What if you're willing to admit this morning that you have been running from him? Maybe your whole life, or you're starting to run from him right now. Let's say you've been running How can you be so sure that God will take you back? And even if he took you back, you think he'll be like, oh, it's you. How could you be so sure that God would welcome you back? What makes you think or how could you be sure that he would love you? How can you be so sure that God can be trusted, that he will keep his promises to you? I mean, how do you know? Well, I would say there's one simple reason why we can know, because he said so. And one simple word really sums it up. We'll look at it this week and next week, and it's the word covenant. And so the title of our message today is, The Greatest Promise Ever. The greatest promise ever. And I actually believe, and and gosh, I've taught through the life of Abraham, this is my third or fourth time, that I just saw one little thing that I missed until this time, which was the slowest time I went through it, that I think is one of, if not the greatest promise in the entirety of the Bible. That's why I think it's so important if you're part of a community group that you attend this week. So we just talked about it a second and if you recall God promised Abram and his wife Sarai a child because he and his wife could not conceive they were getting old and his wife suggested the maid bizarre ancient world practice. So let's look back uh, one chapter to Genesis 16:16 16, 16, and it says this. Abram was 680 sorry 86 years old. Now remember that number 86. Now, you older people, you like, that's Maxwell Smart, an Agent 86. Okay, you younger people, just remember, 86, and I know who's old in the audience. By the way, one of the best shows ever, Get Smart. <laughs> but, but remember that number 86, especially you students. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. So the big mess up, he was 86, 85, 86. Now let's go into chapter 17, verse 1. Well, Abram was 99 years old, let's just stop there. Okay, how many students do we have here in the audience? Raise your hand if you're a student. Raise your hand if you're a student. Come on, come on, nice and high. Very disappointing. I was hoping all of you would raise your hand because I am a student. We are a student of God's Word, but we're talking about the ones of you that actually probably study math. So... We're going to do a math quiz. You don't have to yell it out in case you yell it out wrong. You'll be very embarrassed, especially if you're homeschooled. Your mother's sitting next to you, and she's like, I'm a miserable teacher. <laughs> so he was 86 when the, baby, when the child was born. But God said that's, he's not the child of the promise. Now he is 96. No, so 96 minus 86 equals 13. We have some really smart adults up here up front. They're like, they think they're little kids. Like, I'll answer, I'll answer. Okay. How many of you kids got that right? Very good. I'm so impressed. Some of you are still, you're you're in your 50s and you're raising your hand or your 60s or older. Who knows? You're raising your hand. Well, I want to let you know, if you are a student and you got that right, you are following in the tradition of your pastor. When I was in sixth grade, I got the math award. And you think that's funny. I also got the etiquette award. (laughs) Some of you are like, what does etiquette mean? That means I said please and thank you. Why would you say please and thank you so much? Because in my house growing up, if you didn't say please, you wanted something, it did not come your way. It wasn't like pass the ketchup. My mother would go, she just keep eating. Please pass the ketchup. Oh, here, honey, glad to give it to you. And then if you didn't say thank you, you were going to be hungry the whole rest of the night. (laughs) Nothing was coming your way. So here we have 13 years of waiting and no sun. No doubt wondering, uh, did they blow it? Did what we did before, was it so bad, uh, has God canceled us? is is our future so dark is the promise of god dead for us now once again we note god is not in a hurry you know that's okay if you're not waiting for him right but if you're waiting for him that's a big problem and we keep saying this and i hope it's sinking in that if we're not careful Waiting on God can be very wearying for our faith. So here we are, a lot of us have been waiting on God for not even nine months. Maybe longer by the time if you're listening to this on the radio or something like that. But, but many people are, are already wearied out. Imagine 13 years And Sarai's biological clock is not only done ticking, it's gone. So we need to be careful because when we want something so bad, it's very easy to start doubting God. And when we start to really doubt God, it's very easy not to obey, isn't it? And then what do we start to do? We start to rationalize or even more disgusting we start to spiritualize our behavior. We start to act like, oh, well, God's cool with it. But here's the reality, and I know you don't want to hear this. (laughs) Some of you might want to go like this. Most of your Christian life and most of my Christian life is going to be ordinary. This is what it is. It's going to be relatively unexciting. You might even say it's boring, although that word doesn't exist in my vocabulary. But you might even say it's boring, and you're going to find out it's just a daily walk of faith. So if we could go back in time 4,000 years ago, I don't think any of you were there, were you? Okay, a couple of you might have been. So we go back 4,000 years ago, and we just say to Abraham, we join him, Abram, we join him at this age, and and we say, uh, Abram, uh, dude, you know, I haven't seen you for 13 years since you had Ishmael with the maidservant. What's been going on the last 13 years? Well, um, I've been working, paid the bills, ran a lot of errands. You know, got a lot of animals, got to run a lot of errands, paid the workers every week. It's part of the administrative work of having a big business. I, uh, We worshipped. We worshipped the Lord with our family. We loved God. And um, to be honest with you, man, there was a lot of family tension. <laughs> that whole Ishmael thing, I love Ishmael, but the whole thing with my wife and all that, it, it, it you know. <laughs> But it was, you know, we've just been living. We've just been living. You see, right now, it seems to me, this is just an opinion. It seems to me that the waiting, I did pretty good at that. Usually I go, the the waiting, the waiting and the ordinariness of life is killing the spiritual life of many followers of Jesus. It just, we can't deal with a life that just appears to be on hold. We can't deal with a life where we can't do everything that we want to do. Where Now, some of you come from other countries, and you're like, this is still better than where we came from. So we don't, we don't like to, to wait. One thing I would encourage you to do is to, is to really, and this may sound unusual to you, is, is to really keep some structure in your life. Keep, keep some structure in your life. Don't, don't wake up and think, well, I'll just do what I want today because you'll end up doing nothing. You know, get up at the same time. Get into your rhythms. Keep your rhythms. Pam said to me yesterday, uh, do you, do you want to go for a walk this afternoon? Well, on Saturday afternoons, we typically go for a walk. I'm like, of course, it's Saturday afternoon. We go for a walk. So We do. And so, especially in your spiritual disciplines, don't don't give up on reading your Bible. Don't give up on praying. Don't give up on your community group. Don't give up on your church attendance, whether it's in person or online. Keep doing the things that are going to energize you spiritually and empower you. For a lot of people I know, God is nagging us with this, 2 Timothy 2.13, if, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Sometimes you're like, stop with the faithfulness, God. Leave me alone. He cannot deny himself. That's why we believe what he says. In these days, and just this is just talking to people, I fear, um, I fear a lot of us have been subject to what I call the ick's. We fall and pray to the X. Do you know what the icks are? Politics and Netflix. We we are just. It's just easy to get into the whole political thing. It's easy to just sit there and watch television all day. And I again, I'm still in the opinion area. I think it's replaced Jesus in a time when I believe that we have more opportunity to grow closer to God than perhaps we've had in many, many years. You say, why would you, why would you say that, Pastor Jim? Because like Abram, God is using the waiting time to show us himself. God is using the waiting time to show us his power He's using the waiting time to show us his glory. He's using the the, the waiting time for us to go deeper into him to mold us and shape us. You see, here's something that I've realized, and I can't say this is 100% true all the time because sometimes God just throws you in the deep end with the sharks. But a lot of times I've noticed that God wants you and I to be who we are called to be before we go out and do what we are called to do. Can I say that again? Sometimes I've noticed that God often wants you, me, wants you to be who you are called to be before he sends you out to do what you are called to do. Today, for those who let him, even now, he is filling your heart with his promises while at the same time he is killing despair as he fills you with his promises, killing depression as he fills you with his joy. I'm not saying that's the cure-all. It's a slow process sometimes. But he's also doing something that Pam and I were talking about this week, that I, I noticed this about God in my life. And I'm talking with younger people. They're, they're, you know, they're, it's a, they handle crises different. And because they don't have what a lot of people who've been walking with the Lord for a long time have— that God has not filled their, sa- their spiritual savings account with a lot of faithfulness. Some of us over the years have, have had God fill us, our bank account, with so much of his faithfulness that, that, that we just know he's going to come through. We just know. You remember when I owned my trucking company, I'd have guys on Long Island and we didn't have cell phones back then and and I would just, it would be snowing, and we'd have a guy, would have to come over the George Washington Bridge and make it out to Patterson by 5 o'clock. And I'm like, no way he's going to make it, no way he's going to make it. And sure enough, 5 to 5, he calls me, done in Patterson. Over and over and over again, God showed me how faithful he was. You know, and then just starting the church and getting the building here by just really just, just God's hand. Could, I, I could, nothing we did to do about it. And, and then all the different things that have happened to me over the years, just, you know, this is not the first time I busted my ribs <laughs> and, 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 I, and I had pneumonia and we had guys come work at, the, at our house and, and they, they, they did the floors and I breathed in some stuff and I didn't have a voice for two years. I'd, I'd preach two services and then I couldn't even talk for the next two days and hoped that I'd be fine by Wednesday night. I've had so many different things happen and yet God is always so incredibly faithful And so when you're older and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you just get that bank of his faithfulness. Your savings account is full of faithfulness. And you just sit there and go, instead of, oh, this is just another hassle in life. You go, this is another chance for God to show himself faithful in my life, to make another deposit in my faithful savings account. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram And said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. What what does he mean? He means be wholeheartedly devoted to me. Uh, He uses this term almighty God, in Hebrew it's El Shaddai, it means the God who is all sufficient. And El Shaddai comes to us through the word of God. He comes to the hurting. He comes to the disappointed. He comes to those of us who are wondering What's next? And he simply says to you today, I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. I'm here for you. For his part, God says, I will take care of you. I will keep my promises to you. But to you and I, Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I'm really glad that you're here today. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he, he specifically says to you, and there's a tension. Remember we say there's a tension, God's part and our part. He says, I'm El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. And what does he say? Walk before me and be blameless. Walk, what does walk mean? And the Bible means live before me in, and be blameless. In other words, the tension is, God says, I'm gonna take care of you, but you have a part in this too. You have a part in this too. Now, those of you who've been following on Wednesday night with the book of James, you understand why God says this. We come to the New Testament. We're told that we are, to be sa- we are saved by grace through faith. It's not anything we do. It's our receiving what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ. And the New Testament writers quote what we came across in Genesis fifteen six that that Abram then believed God, And it was credited to him as righteousness. The New Testament writers have the same theology, even quote that verse. But that does not negate right living before God. Actually, being saved by grace, when when you understand it, that God has forgiven you for no other reason than just for the fact that he loves you, it actually embraces right living before God. It, it activates right living before God, it accelerates right living before God, and it empowers right living before God. And so the goodness that comes out of our lives comes out of the empowering of the Holy Spirit and a desire to please our Savior. That's why we say we are motivated by grace not because we want God to take us to heaven, because he's already promised to take us there. So God says to Abram, to you and to me, to enjoy my blessings, to really experience the presence of me in your life, you'll have to live in a way that pleases me, or else you're just gonna end up on the treadmill of, sorry, God, okay, let's try again. Sorry, God, let's try again. Not that that's not part of our lives, but usually it tends to be more minor things than major things. You see, the life of faith is not a once-for-all thing. Some people think, well, you just believe once and that's it. That's why I love the term walk that the Bible uses. When you, when you go for a walk, what, what, what is a walk like? Well, if you go, let's say you go on a wildlife walk or something like that, there's a change of scenery, isn't there? One minute you're on flats, then you're, you're going up a high mountain, and then you're, you're coming down. So what's changing? The circumstances of the walk are, are changing. And so everything keeps changing on a walk, and that's the way life is. If, you, if it's just a once-for-all thing, you're going to live off of that old one experience. You're not going to be ready for the new experiences. And, and to walk before God is to have things out in the open before God. God. To be blameless really means, essentially, to be whole. And together, if you put them together, what, are, what do they form? They, together they form the passionate pursuit of God. God says, I will take care of you, but if you passionately pursue me, you're going to actually experience me. And this whole obedience thing, while it seems drudgery to others, is not going to seem that way to you. It's going to make a lot more sense. It's going to seem a lot more logical to you.
0: Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.